Welcome to another impactful message from Cornerstone Church, where we truly believe there is one hope for every heart, Jesus Christ. If you'd like to check out more resources or view video of this sermon, visit us online at cornerstonerome.com. So today, I get the privilege of jumping in and giving you guys an overview of the book of Exodus. Before I do that, I want to tell you something that stuck out to me this week in the book of Exodus. There was a scripture in um, Exodus chapter 4. I didn't give this to Joey and the team. But in Exodus, I believe it's in chapter 4. I believe it's verse 2. And it says along the lines, yeah, it is, chapter 4, verse 2. Then the Lord asked him, what is in your hand? And a shepherd's staff, Moses replied. Notice that this is only one scripture, one verse in all the books of Exodus. But this verse stood out to me. And I'm trying to help you to understand why we're... We're trying to implement hope sites so that you can encourage one another. What's in your hand? This verse alone, as a preacher, you can preach on. But let me encourage you with this. God asked Moses what he already had. God asked Moses, because Moses was going back and forth for God. God, uh, you want me to do this, but I don't feel comfortable. I don't feel confident. I feel like I can't speak properly. He said, Moses, what is in your hand? What do you have right now? What do you possess? Moses says, a staff. This staff to Moses was nothing. At one point, he was a prince of Egypt. Now he was a lonely shepherd. At one point, he was in royal authority. Now he was just one of those guys walking around the road, and he happened to find a stick so they can help him take care of some sheep. To Moses, it meant absolutely nothing to have this staff. But God said, what's in your hand? Because he wanted to show him something. It's not about any amazing gift that any of us have. Let me make sure I say this correctly. God is not looking for the most anointed, the most well-spoken, the smartest. He's not looking for the best looking. He's not looking for the strongest. He's just looking for somebody who will admit what they already have and give it over to him so he can use it for his glory. Because what we find out is that later on, That staff, which Moses thought was nothing, turns into be the staff of God. They even call it the staff of God. They put it in the the tabernacle, and it blooms, right? This dead piece of wood wood turns live in God's hands. And you can compare that with other places in in the Scripture. There was a a, a meeting where they were on a a hill, and Jesus was preaching to them, and and the disciples were like, we got to feed these people. He's like, what do you have? And he fed over 5,000 people. There was a a woman who she owed all these people different things, right? And he was like, why don't you you do this? Take a little bit of oil that you have and get a whole bunch of jars, as much as you can collect, and pour that oil into the jars. And you'll see that as as she began to pour, the oil multiplied. What do you have? Um, God is in the business of using what you have for his glory. And when you realize that it's not about you, it's about him, then that staff, that one thing you have, can be used for him. And so I started to think about, God, what do I have? Before we get into Exodus, I know I got to do it over here, but God, what do I have? And he was like, you know what? You have a little bit of crazy. You got a little bit of crazy. You guys, today I'm going to give you a little bit of crazy today. Because what I have is I think differently than a lot of people. 
I'm, I'm not afraid to act a little differently. I'm not afraid to do a little bit different than some people because I got a little bit of crazy. So today, I'm going to give you what I have. Is that okay? If it isn't, I don't care. You're you already here. You're stuck. So, Exodus, let's give you a quick overview. Um, and as we give this overview, I'm going to uh, give you the overview. Um, I'm going to give you some key themes. Um, I'm going to give you four particular key themes. And then uh, we're going to just tie everything up and what this means to us. Overview. Exodus is all about God taking his family. In Genesis, we find out that Abraham was a promise. He gave Abraham a promise. And, and through Abraham, all the, uh, the generations of the world would bless. Abraham, then his family's become blessed. Uh, he has a whole bunch of kids. And next thing you know, this, this, this one man turns into a family, which turned into the story in Exodus. And it says that these people, while they were in Exodus, this family grew. It was almost like they were in quarantine or something, that they started having babies all over the place, right? So they grew and multiplied. It turns in from 12 sons and their kids to hundreds of thousands of people all in Egypt in one area because they just kept multiplying. It's almost as if God was saying, hey, what he originally gave to Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth, what's happening right here. So this family who God had started to multiply. Pharaoh saw this and got upset. Maybe they're going to become too powerful. Maybe they're going to overturn us. So let's kill some babies. And we find out in these different acts what happens next. I look at uh, Exodus as three acts. The first act is kind of like the, pre- the prelude. Um, it's the, as you open up the, the opening scenes of a story. Um, there we have it. Pharaoh sitting on, the, on, on his throne, and he sees all these people growing, and he's like, we can't have this. Let's start killing some people. Um, let's kill the firstborn of all these boys. Let's kill off all the boys of the Egyptians so that they won't overpower us. And as he does this, this lonely woman has a baby, and something in her eyes says, you know what? We need to try to spare his life. I know any mom in here would say they would try to do this anyway. You ain't, go, you ain't taking my baby. But there was a courage that happened in this lady that said, there's something different inside this lady that I'm going to save his life. So she takes him, and in the very Nile River that the rest of the babies die in becomes Moses' redemption, salvation. So she places him in a basket in the Nile River, and he floats on down. And he ends up at the princess's footsteps, where she hears a baby, she sees a baby, she grabs the babies out, out of the water and takes her as her own. And Moses grows up as a prince of Egypt, and then one day, as Moses high and mighty, he thought he was somebody. I'm a big boy. He goes out and he sees what's going on with the Egyptians and how they're being oppressed. And he sees how these, this, I'm not Egyptians, the Israelites, and how the Egyptians are oppressing the Israelites. And he goes and kills this man. And then he takes off and runs. There's more to the story. but That's just act one. Act two. God saves Israel. Moses is out in the wilderness. The Israelites are still in slavery. I want to pause. I thought it was interesting that Pastor Jody would ask me to speak about slavery, you know, because I'm, I just turned 40 and all, you know. That's, that's why. What you thought it was. No, I don't worry about it. All right. But Moses is out in the wilderness. He's just, I'm a nobody. I thought I was somebody. I realize now I'm nobody. He's out in the wilderness, and he comes upon, as he's a shepherd man, he's walking around, he comes upon a fiery bush that is being, that's on fire but is not being consumed. I'm sorry if I'm speaking too fast, but 
but I'm a little excited. The fire, the fire is, 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 the bush is on fire, but it's not being consumed. And Moses goes to it, and he hears a voice of God calling out to him, saying, hey, stop where you are. Take off your sandals, because where you're standing is holy ground. Then he gets this big mission from God. I have heard the cries of my people. I've heard them. I haven't forgotten my covenant that I made to their fathers, their grandfathers, their great-grandfathers. I've heard the cries. It's time for action. But I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart. He's not going to want to let him go until I kill his son. I'm just, just throwing it out there. Just giving you a little paraphrase. So all this goes into action. This miraculous signs and wonders. These, all these plagues, which was a direct attack against Pharaoh and his gods and what they believed in. Because we got to realize that the, we have a system of the world and we try to put God below that system. And God's like, look, any God that you have before me, let me just prove that they're not God. So he had to, he had to prove to them through the, through the plagues of the, all these different things and attacking their cows, which was holy, uh, um, plaguing them with, with frogs all over the place because they couldn't kill frogs because that was holy as well. Sending gnats and God was big. He was, look. If you think your God is all about sacrifices and you think your God is all about cows and animals and you, you're going to make all these different images, let me show you just how powerful I really am. So he sends these plagues. Then Moses and the Israelites finally get free from Pharaoh. They make it all the way. They're all celebrating their party and throwing it. Woohoo! Party! Right? They get to the, 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 uh, the, the, the Red Sea. Pharaoh's in the back because he's changed his mind. The Red Sea's in front. God has used that very staff that came up from the beginning. He sticks out the staff in the middle of water and the water's part and the Israelites cross over. And then Pharaoh gets the guts to follow behind him after God removes something. He came in and all of the Egyptians drown in the water that, that attacked. And a big celebration happens. Act three. God makes a covenant. With Israel. Now remember, these are just overviews. There's so much to these things. But God makes a covenant with Israel. Because he has just saved them. And if you know anything about a covenant agreement, there's a lot to it. I just recently refinanced my home. And I found out there's a lot of paperwork with that. (laughs) If you do this, then we do this, right? If you don't pay the bills, we're coming to take your house. Whoa, hold on. I don't know if I like this necessarily. But there's, there's, there's line items in a, a contractual agreement. So God made a covenant with his people. He meets with them. He tells them, Here's a, here are the requirements of this covenant. They fully agree. We are down. We have heard the requirements. And whatever else you have for us, we're good to go. So sweet, this covenant. Not only that, but God said, you know what? I'm going to set up my home with you guys. One period of time, I was in far distance. Now I'm going to live right amongst the middle of you guys because I want you to be my people. You are my chosen select people, and wherever you go, I want people to realize that my presence are with you. That's an overview. Really quick, there's so much to it, but that's a quick overview. Now, why are we here today? Because there's some key themes that I feel like God wants to share with us from Exodus. One of the key themes, themes is redemption. 
This is a big theme for this book. God is in the business of redeeming his people. Here's what it says in Exodus chapter 6, verse 6. It says this, Therefore, say to the people of Israel, I am the Lord. I will, I will free you from your oppression, and I will rescue you from slavery in Egypt. I will redeem you with a powerful arm and great acts of judgment. I will claim you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord, your God, who has freed you from, from your oppressions in Egypt. I will bring you into the land I swear to you to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I will give it to you as your very own possession. I am the Lord. Redemption. Redemption is defined, I looked it up, it's defined as, is an act of redeeming or atoning for a fault or mistake. It's a stake of being redeemed. I was like, what's redeemed? Redeem is to compensate for the faults or bad aspects of something, to gain or regain possession of something in exchange for payment, to fulfill or carry out a pledge or a promise. God, this book was, I made a promise to Abraham. I made a promise to Isaac. I made a promise to Jacob. My people haven't necessarily lived up to what they were supposed to do, but I'm going to redeem them anyway. Because I have already made the covenant promise. Therefore, I'm going to get my people back. Right now, they're in possession of Pharaoh. But no one else is supposed to possess my people. I possess my people. So the redemption happened and went in full effect because God heard the cries of his people, and he redeemed them. Something to think about. Number two, the uh, second key thing is it's about covenant. That's a big thing for God, right? You see the covenant all over through the scriptures, but it's all about a contractual agreement. It's all about God making an agreement with man. He didn't have to make an agreement with anyone. He's God. But he chose to make an agreement with this group of people. And they, hands down, said, you know what? We're in it. We want what you have. Because if you say you're going to bless us, then we want your blessings. If you say you're going to make us a blessing to other people, then we want your blessings to other people. We saw what happened to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to their families, their kids. We want what they have. So we enter into that agreement with you. But it's because God wanted to make a covenant with them. And there was more to that story because he understood what they don't understand and what they still didn't understand at this point that it was through them salvation was actually coming and that the promise was actually the fulfillment of the covenant. So, but God was big on that covenant. I'm going to make an agreement with you. That's as simply as it put. I'm going to agree with you. Will you shake my hand to these agreements? Absolutely. Sweet baby rays, let's roll. Next thing was, oh, this is what he said in Exodus chapter 24. It says in verse 7, Then he took the book of the covenant and read it out loud to the people. Again, they all responded, we will do everything the Lord has commanded. We will obey. Then Moses took the blood of, from the basin, the ba- basins and splattered it over the people, declaring, look, this blood confirms the covenant the Lord has made with you and giving you these instructions. This book is full of covenants, covenant agreements. Thirdly, this book is full of, is full of commandments and laws. I said it earlier, but I'll make sure I reiterate it right here. God was in the business. He made an agreement with them, but you guys know anything about a contractual agreement? There's line items to these things. I think about it like this. I, um, I had my car repaired 
several times. I'm always having my car repaired some some reason or another, um, right? But as I go there, I, at one point, I didn't have the funds to pay for it. So I sign up for this uh, six months free, no, no, um, six months free financing, right? So after the six months, on six months and one day, it goes from, let's say the amount was $600. It goes from $600 to $2,000. And under the, under the terms of the agreement, if I don't pay it off in those six months, after that six month and one day, it turns into $2,000. No matter if I whine or complain about it, that's just what I agree to. And I sign on the dotted line. I get to six months, and I'm like, oh, I should pay that off. Dang it, I don't have the money right now. Six months in a day, I call up. Is it still, is it too late? I'm just giving an example. Is it too late for me to pay this off right now? It's past. There's no going back. You can't return the freeze. I mean, the, you can't return and, and renegotiate your terms. Right now, you're stuck. You signed the dotted line. It's no longer $600. It's now $200. No matter how much you whine and complain about it. The law and the commandments were terms of the agreement. It was how were you supposed to live? Why? Because I want you to be my people. I have chosen you. I'm going to set you apart. I want when people see you, you are to represent me. So because of that, let me tell you how you should live. Maybe you didn't get it before because you were a slave. You came out and you were told what to do. But now let me give you some helpful hints on how to live this life so that you represent me more. First things first, you should have no other God before me. That's a big one. If you say that we're in agreement, if you say that I'm going to be your God, then there's none of these other gods that you see from the other, uh, other countries around the world. These are some of the terms of the agreement. And that's all through this book, right? And then another one that was big, and the fourth one that we're getting at is God's presence. You see at the very beginning of the book, God's presence was afar off. The Israelites, they cried out to God, and he heard them from afar off in their point of view. Then in the middle of the book, we see that God has come down on a mountain and the Israelites are at the bottom of the mountain. They're closer, but they're still not close enough. Then we see at the end of the book where God's presence is no longer at the mountain. He's now in the middle of the camp and the people all camped around him. I want you to understand the progression that God was never intended for us to be a far-off God where you just cry out to him and he hears you from a distance. He never intended for you, for him to speak from a mountain and you have to hear him at the bottom of the mountain. He always intended for us to speak one-on-one. And through all these things, we find out what God was really up to because we then we have to apply it to our own life. Let me go into the part where I start breaking this down and why, these, why I feel like this book is important to us. Exodus is very important to us because it's, it's, it's full of types, of, or types and shadows of us as believers. It's types and shadows of Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. Redemption, God is still in the business of redeeming people. He's still in the business of redeeming his children. Anyone who turns to him, he redeems them. And, you know, and we find out in the scripture that God actually seeks after and he draws all men to himself because he's in the act of redeeming mankind. You're never far from God, too far from God. You're never too dirty. You're never too sinful. You're never too anything for God not to redeem you. He sent his son so that we can be redeemed. 
God is in the business of making covenants. He said that he's given us a new covenant. The new covenant is, is based on faith. The new covenant is all about what God did for us. That at one point we thought that we had to live up to certain terms and agreements as based on the commands and the laws. But now those things are wiped away because Jesus fulfilled those terms and laws. Jesus, by faith, we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior because he came to earth. He died on the cross to fulfill what we could never fulfill by the contract agreement that God made. And now we still are blessed. We are blessed. We receive the Abraham's blessing, the blessing you shall be blessed and you will bless other people. But more importantly, we will live in heaven with Jesus for all eternity. I feel like I'm sweating up here. I don't know if y'all can see it, but I know I can feel it. Most importantly, it's God's presence. I love that God loves us. Because he saw his original intent was to have Adam and Eve in the garden. To walk with them, to talk with them. To be their God too. So that they didn't have, he didn't have to turn their backs. They didn't have to cry out from a distance. And so he put a plan in place. So that he would no longer just be close to us, but that he would be in us. The Bible tells us that anyone who received Jesus as Lord, the Holy Spirit, comes to live in you. That He says that I will make my home in them. You understand that he never intended for him to be from a far distance where you can't hear the voice of the Lord. He always intended for you to be that close, that I'm sorry, let me make sure I say this correctly. He always intended for you to be so close, right there, that if any questions you have, you just have to ask him and he'll respond to you. That was the original intent that Jesus, original intent that God had for his people. It was never intended for us to be from a far distance. His presence was always meant to be right there with you. And he said, you know what, I'm going to change this up. Before they put me in a, a temple, before they put me in a, a tent, before they put me in the structure where they, if they wanted to find me, they had to go there. But I was still close. Now I'm going to make myself even closer. That anyone who calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. And I will come and make my home in them. I will live in them. If Exodus doesn't tell us anything, Exodus tells us this. That God loves us. Because this is all a part of his plan. All of this, all of Exodus took place and it had to get ugly before it got better but the promise is it does get better and the signs of the the better is that his presence will be with us that his blessings will be with us that he redeems us he restores us he put us back into proper uh, line with him that he saves us that what we were dealing with at one point we will no longer deal with if we put it into his hands if we're here today or we're following online i want you to understand that god has never left you through the season of life that you may be in right now, or what we may have just came through 2020, hashtag I hate it all, whatever season of life we may be in, God is still with us. He is there. He saves us. And Exodus teaches us that from the very beginning. So if you're here today, I just want to, I'm going to close my, my closing thoughts. I don't have much else to say about Exodus. Um, my closing thoughts is this. If you're here today, if you have not realized this or not, Jesus was the fulfillment of the promise. The Bible tells us that when the time was right, he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross 
so that if anyone who believes that message, they too will be saved. If you're here today and you have never heard that message, you've never heard about Jesus, or maybe you have because this is the South, everybody hears about Jesus, but maybe something inside of you and God is speaking to you right now saying, hey, he's talking about me. And you want to give your life to Jesus. This is a great opportunity for you. Here's what we do. It tells us that if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, he'll save you. He didn't ask you to change anything before coming to him. He didn't say, I need to clean up before going to him. You don't clean up before you go to the doctor. You don't get healthy before you go see a doctor. He is your doctor. He is your healer. You uh, you wouldn't make fun of a fat person at a gym because they're trying to lose weight. We're not going to make fun of you for trying to get saved. We don't care if you're smoking, drinking, doing other things. There's kids in the room. We just want you to know that Jesus loves you right where you are. He didn't ask you to change. He he died while you were still a sinner. And his life, his blood was shed so that you may live with him. So if you're here today, maybe you're online and you want to receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I ask that you all pray with this with me. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes and pray with me? Dear God, I ask you right now to come and save me. I realize that I've messed up, that I haven't always gotten it right. I ask you, God, to be the Lord of my life. I believe with my heart, and I confess now that you are Lord Jesus. Amen. If you pray that prayer, we just want to give you a big hand clap, high five, all that shouts. That's just the start of your journey. Just to start. Now I want to encourage you guys to get plugged into a hope site. If you did that, you want to learn more about the Bible, you want to learn more about the scripture, as Pastor Jody has gone through all of the Bible this whole year, all 66 books, get into a hope site. Get plugged in with someone else. Maybe it shouldn't be somebody who just got saved because they're probably in the same predicament as you. Maybe you want to get into somebody who's a little bit farther along on the journey. Somebody who's been saved a little long and tell them, hey, I need you to help me to understand the Bible a little bit more. There's many of us out there. All of us in this all of us in this room are well qualified to help you go through the Bible. All of us watching online are well qualified to help other people go through the word of God. So get plugged into those help sites. And remind you guys that we do have the 21 days of prayer starting today. Ask God what you should be fasting. Ask God for an answer to something that you're dealing with. But most importantly, ask God to redeem our nation. To save us from the plague that's happening right now all over the world. As you leave, I want to say this prayer with you. Um, as found in, I was going to say Exodus. As found in Numbers chapter 6, it says this. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you his peace. Have a great rest of your week. See you guys next time. If today's message blessed you, we want to encourage you to take a moment and share this podcast with a friend. Remember, there's one hope for every heart, and that's Jesus. See you next time.